And back in 2018, Colorado ranked 43rd for behavioral health providers per capita. So pretty low. Um, And when we compared Eagle County providers per capita, we actually fell significantly lower than the Colorado average. Welcome back to the Good and Grounded podcast, where we once again have a chance to talk with a Colorado leader about an important issue affecting their community and our community, and what we as community members can do about it. I'm Laura Love, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jim Licko. Thanks, Laura. Um, I believe we're on episode 47 here, which is kind of um, shocking uh, to think we've almost done 50 of these. Um, and we've worked over the past year and a half, two years to really try to find some silver linings along the way, both big and small. Um, and I think it's safe to say, at least from my vantage point, one of the more valuable upsides to our various experiences since 2020 has been the normalization of talking about our mental health and well-being. Um, bringing mental health uh, to the forefront and making it something that we can all talk about without judgment, I think is is a positive thing that's come out of all of this. Of course, that also means we're seeing an increase in the need for mental and behavioral health treatments, and particularly in our mountain communities, where thanks to a variety of issues that we're going to discuss today, the impact of mental health issues can be exponential up in the more rural and mountain areas. We're joined today by Dana Erpelding, Senior Operations Director of Eagle Valley Behavioral Health up in the Vail Valley. Dana has dedicated her professional career, for the most part, to behavioral health and sciences. Um, One of the few Colorado natives out there, uh, she jumped at the chance to move from Denver to the Vail Valley in 2018 and call Eagle County her permanent home. Welcome to the show, Dana. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Laura. Pleasure to be here. Dana, thank you so much for joining us. I actually have been thinking about this discussion for the past few months because we've had a family issue in this year. And I know how difficult it has been to find resources here in the Denver area. And it it makes me think how much harder I imagine it must be in the mountain communities. But maybe that's not true. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. But just thinking with that topic in mind, can you help us sort of frame up how mental health and mental health services may be different in the mountain communities or the rural areas of our state versus, say, here in Denver? Yeah, Laura, great question. So as you can imagine, rural Colorado has significant shortage shortages when it comes to behavioral health care workforce in particular. Um, and one of the things we hear from a lot of families up here is that while it's difficult to get access to care in rural Colorado, it's particularly difficult to get access for pediatric or adolescent clients. Um, these shortages, the provider shortages combined with the rural geography of our mountain community, really can create life and death challenges in providing adequate behavioral health care to the residents of our valley. Eagle County is actually defined as a behavioral health professional shortage area by our federal partners. Um, And it's interesting. So we started doing some analysis in our community in 2018. And back in 2018, Colorado ranked 43rd for behavioral health providers per capita compared to other states in the country. So pretty low. Um, And when we compared Eagle County providers per capita, we actually fell significantly lower than the Colorado average. We found that we'd actually have to retain, recruit and retain an additional 50 providers to align with the Colorado per capita average at that time, and additional 100 providers to meet the true needs of our community. So we do see that workforce is a significant challenge 
And in addition to that, I mean, I, I think most people are, are probably aware there's a higher suicide rate in the Mountain West compared to the rest of the country. Uh, and when you look at Colorado data and then you look at county-specific data, you'll actually find that there's higher suicide rates in our more rural communities compared to the Denver Front Range. So for Eagle County, with the formation of Eagle Valley Behavioral Health, we had really six key priorities. One is we're currently in the process of building an inpatient facility. So currently anybody in our community who needs inpatient care, so they need to go to a hospital to seek behavioral health care, they're transported three hours away, either to Denver or Grand Junction. Those are the closest inpatient facilities currently. Wow. And those beds are often completely full and they have to be transported out of state. So we actually just received approval to build an inpatient facility here in our community. It'll be centrally located in Edwards, Colorado. It'll be a 28-bed facility, 14 beds for adolescents, 14 beds for adults. Um, and so that will significantly help not only our community, but also the entire state as behavioral health beds um, are, are really very difficult to access across the country. Um, the second was uh, addressing that provider shortage that we talked about earlier. So increasing the number and diversity of providers in our community. Um, we have over 30% of our population who's primarily Spanish speaking, but we only have four providers in our community currently who speak Spanish and can provide services in Spanish. So we have to increase the number of providers that speak Spanish, that serve youth, that have different specialty areas for substance use, medication management, psychiatry, etc. Um, also system coordination. So we have a lot of different community partners that play a role in the behavioral health space. But we need to make sure that we're all coordinated, we're all aligned, that we're all best utilizing uh, resources to impact our community. Uh, crisis services. So in 2018, we launched Your Hope Center in Eagle County, which is the only 24-7 crisis co-response organization in the entire state. So you can call 911 in our community, and if you're struggling with a behavioral health issue, historically it was law enforcement who showed up, and they're not the best individuals to show up for a mental health crisis. It can <clears throat> exacerbate issues when someone in uniform shows up, and they're not licensed clinicians. And so we worked with local law enforcement and our local paramedics to implement this crisis co-response model, where they go out with paramedics, they go out with law enforcement, they're licensed clinicians, and they can address that behavioral health issue in someone's home or place of business, wherever they're at in the community. The other priority for us is school-based services. So we now have a licensed clinician in every elementary, middle, and high school in our public school system here in our community. Um, we know our, our typical school counselors are ve very busy with dealing with academic issues, social and emotional issues. So these are actually third-party individuals who are not hired by the school district, but they report to another third party in our community to just serve the social-emotional needs of our students, which has been huge during COVID. They were able to meet with students via telehealth, able to consult with families, and that's been extremely beneficial. Um, and so those were kind of the areas where we were focusing our energy and our, our resources. Um, but as we started implementing these programs throughout 2020 and 2021, we recognize that we actually met the state's definition of a community mental health center or CMHC. And those are the entities that are eligible to receive state and federal funds for behavioral health safety net programs across the state of Colorado. So we applied to become a CMHC. And in 2021, we were designated as the newest CMHC and the first to be designated in the past 40 years. 
Fascinating. And I, I know we got connected to you, Dana, through our work with the Cats Amsterdam Foundation, which addresses a lot of mental and behavioral health issues. And one of the things that that client has made me more familiar with is this concept of the paradise paradox or the sense of people living in a beautiful vacation destination like Vail or like Avon, Beaver Creek area. Um, they should be happy all the time. And therefore, they don't feel that it's acceptable to not be okay mentally, which of course compounds the issue. How much does that mindset play into that issue at hand and what you're talking about as far as suicide rates and, and some of these issues being heightened in those areas? Are you Do you see that paradise paradox coming to fruition? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, when you live in this naturally beautiful place, especially a mountain resort community where people from all over the world come here to vacation, there's this belief that you really shouldn't have poor mental health or depression. And of course, that's not the case, but it can lead people to being hesitant to reaching out for help. And then, of course, mm-hmm. when they do reach out for help, that lack of providers or lack of access to care can make it even more difficult. Um, you know, I think there's other things that we see in particular in these rural mountain communities, you know, that culture of rugged individualism, that pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality. Um, and then also that resort town party culture. You know, like I said, people mm-hmm. from all over the world come here And they're here to vacation, they're here to enjoy themselves, and that really can trickle down into that day-to-day living and, uh, you know, particularly issues around increased substance use. I'm I'm interested to hear a little bit about how, because you mentioned doing a study in 2018, and of course, I'm sure a lot of that was, was blown up or thrown out the window a couple of years later when the pandemic hit. How have the past two years specifically impacted these issues in a place like the Vail Valley, um, what has changed and what has shifted over um, mental behavior health in in our mountain communities over the past couple of years? Yeah, great question. So in our community, we were really fortunate that we recognized the significant behavioral health needs and we're working to address those needs before the pandemic hit. So in our community, it really started in 2017 when Eagle County Board of County Commissioners approved a ballot measure to tax retail marijuana to generate revenue to fund local behavioral health initiatives. We, at the time, were not receiving any state or federal funds to support behavioral health. And that passed with over 70% community approval. And that was really the catalyst for bringing our local partners together to conduct a local needs assessment to develop a performa in 2018 on if we were really going to transform our behavioral health system in our community, what that would look like. So that gap analysis and performa was then presented to the Vail Health Board in 2019 which ultimately led to the Vail Health commitment of $60 million over the next 10 years to support local behavioral health initiatives. And then fortunately with the Vail Health Foundation, which is the philanthropic arm of the hospital, they also agreed to raise an additional $100 million over the next 10 years to support behavioral health because they recognized it truly was an epidemic in our community. People were really struggling. And so with the fo- that, that really led to the formation of a new nonprofit in our community, Eagle Valley Behavioral Health. And we started our initiative in 2019, right before the pandemic hit. So we actually just became staffed in the fall of 2019. And we had our, our work plans and best intentions in place, having no idea that in less than six months, there'd be a global pandemic and the world would turn upside down and behavioral <laughs> health needs would be far more significant than we could have ever imagined. So while we were very fortunate that we had the infrastructure and groundwork laid, things changed pretty significantly. And I would say seeing the needs of our healthcare workers, of our our school personnel, of our first responders, 
um, and feeling very fortunate that we were starting to increase access to behavioral health care. Um, but the needs, of course, were so much more than they had ever been before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I do think, you know, you'd mentioned earlier that silver lining. I would say that's one of the things we've noticed in the last two years that initially we had struggled with, well, how are we going to get the word out? And how are we going to get people feeling comfortable talking about behavioral health the same way they do about their physical health? The pandemic made that easier. So, I mean, you couldn't turn the TV on or turn the radio on without seeing commercials or hearing people talking about the impacts of these nationwide shutdowns on your behavioral health. And so I think in some ways that made it easier. It reduced that stigma, got people talking about it. Um, While, of course, we have seen significant increases in need, particularly amongst our youth, um, I think that the lowering of that stigma has helped people feel comfortable reaching out for help where they never had before. For the listeners that want to get involved, to you know, want to make a change, want to help, is there a way they could go about being a part of the solution? Yeah. So, I mean, as far as local community, I think getting involved in local initiatives, um, what what is your current behavioral health system, understanding uh, how it's funded, what the needs are. Um, there's always needs, you know, for volunteering support, that peer support model is is growing across the state. But, you know, what we tell community members is the first thing to do is treat your mental health with the same level of importance as you do your physical health. Your brain's not disconnected from your body. Mental health mm-hmm. is health and should be treated as such. So, you know, practicing that self-care, whatever that means to you, meditate, exercise, connecting with friends, family, your community, your environment. Our motto is we envision a time in this valley where people treat their mental health with the same amount of care, time, and resources as they do their physical health. We live in a mountain community where people will spend more on their mountain bike than they do their car. So we think that's really important as far as reducing that stigma and being a support to others around you to discuss that. You know, people don't hesitate to discuss the knee fracture that they experienced when they were on the ski hill. They shouldn't hesitate to talk about any struggles that they're having to normalize it and to get care and support from their support structure in their community. Yeah, I think, as you mentioned earlier, there are any silver linings coming out of COVID. One is that people are talking about their mental health more openly and without the stigma that used to be attached to it. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for joining us today. This is such an important topic and one that we like to spend a lot of time on. And this certainly added a level that we haven't yet discussed. So we appreciate it. Thanks, Dana. We like to end the show with the one cool thing, and this one's pretty obvious to me. I think the one cool thing is that we're talking about mental health just like we're talking about physical health, and that's so important. If you hear of a good story that needs to be shared, please let us know. Just drop us a line, subscribe, share, and let's go out and do some good in our Colorado communities. Thanks for joining us.